Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, which we try to do on a bi-weekly basis. Tonight's episode, tonight's session is called The Recipe for Empathy, Feel the Real Deal. Sources are from Safari unless otherwise noted. Look out for the points to carry over, usually bold, underlined, italicized. All my shirim are on shirenjoyment.com slash shirim slash shirim dash reb dash t. Shout out to Jake W. for all his amazing hard work. Also, the lecture series, the Pirkei Avo Show, the OT Show are all on all podcast forums, including Google, iTunes. Look for it if you want to hear it in a podcast format. Otherwise, it's on shirenjoyment.com, not the OT Show, but... Those are all out in Podcastville. If you want to email us, send us an email at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com, R-E-B-T at sheerenjoyment.com. It's for the Rafua Shalema of Livia Margulit, Bat Ilana Devora, as well as Shlomo Ben Saradina, continued Rafua Shalema of Sar Odobas Khan as well as anyone who's sick or needs a Yeshua or Rafua in the entire Klal Yisrael. And all our Shirim should be a Zechus and a Merit that were all inscribed and written and sealed for a wonderful year, a happy year, a healthy year, a blessed year, a year free of any sickness, any Magefa, any Corona, or anything like that, and a year where Mashiach. The real Mashiach and the third base of is built, may it be speedily in our days. So when I think of the idea of empathy, when I think of the topic and the concept, it strikes a real chord in how to see and how to come about dealing with other people. But what does it really mean to have empathy for another person? How can we really feel for other people. Check out what the dictionary says. The dictionary defines empathy as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And sympathy is seen as feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Understanding between people and a common feeling. Of course, in this lecture, we're going to incorporate some ideas of sympathy, but focus more on real empathy. Interestingly, skillsunit.com, a website I found, defines three different types of empathy. The first one is called cognitive empathy. Cognitive empathy is known as perspective taking. Basically being able to put yourself into someone else's place, see their perspective, see where they're coming from. It enables you to put yourself in someone else's shoes, but without necessarily engaging with their emotions. So not the highest level, not the best level possible. Then there's emotional empathy. This is when you quite literally feel the other person's emotions alongside them, as if you caught, quote-unquote, the emotions. Also known as personal distress or emotional contagion. Like you can, like it's contagious, you caught on to the emotions. This is closer to the usual understanding of the word empathy but more emotional. And it can have a good basis, have a good aspect and a bad aspect. Emotional empathy is good because it means we can readily understand and feel other people's emotions. This is vital for those in the caring professions like doctors, nurses, therapists, teachers, to be able to respond to patients and students appropriately. It means we can respond to friends and others when they are distressed. But it could be bad. Emotional empathy is not always amazing because it is possible to become overwhelmed by those very emotions and therefore we could be unable to respond. This would be considered an empathy overload. We're overwhelmed. We're overloaded with such empathetic feelings that we're paralyzed. We don't know how to move. We don't know how to help. Good self-control would help a doctor, would help a nurse, would help a teacher or a therapist to avoid possible burnout from emphasizing too much. There has to be a little bit of backing away. There has to be a little bit of distance in order to understand the patient, understand the student, and be able to help them. There is a danger that they become hardened and not respond appropriately. So there is a fine balance. You can't get too emotionally enmeshed and you can't be too distanced. You have to walk the tightrope. You have to walk the tight line in between the two. And then there's the highest level, which is compassionate empathy. This is what we usually understand by empathy. Feeling someone's pain. Taking action to help. Compassion is about feeling concerned for someone, but with an additional move towards action to mitigate the problem. It reminds me of the idea how there's the there's the famous meme about the differences and how men and women go about things. How a lot of times men want to tackle things and find a solution, and a lot of times 
the opposite can happen where the woman just want to talk about it and, and just discuss it. And there's a meme where there's a nail sticking out of the head of the wife and the guy is talking to her and he says, honey, there's a nail in my head. There's a nail in your head. And she says, honey, it's not about the nail. I always found that very funny because it's talking about how one is trying to take action. One just wants to talk. One just wants to be heard. So a lot of times with empathy, it's not always about taking the action. A lot of times it's about being heard. But there are times where there does need to be action that needs to be taken to mitigate the problem. Feeling the concern, having that additional move towards the action to fix the problem. Compassion empathy is the type of empathy that you usually is the most appropriate one. In general, people who want or need your empathy usually need you to understand and sympathize with what they're going through and crucially either take or help them to take action to solve and resolve the problem. Because a person that's dealing with a situation, a person that's overwhelmed, a person that's inundated with emotions, inundated with a crisis or stimuli, might be paralyzed, might be stopped, and might be stuck from being able to take action, from being able to do things. A lot of times, God forbid, Lola, if someone loses something or someone Lahavdo, happy thing to have a baby. They're stuck with overwhelmingness, things that needs to get done. When someone else comes, steps in, lightens the load and helps, that's a good empathy. That's a compassionate empathy to help mitigate the problem. Some say there are other types of empathy also, somatic and spiritual. Somatic is literally feeling someone else's pain physically. My wife has that. She has very good empathy in the core of her bearing. She literally feels pain for other people. We should all be zocha to ascribe to such a high spiritual level. If you see someone hurt, you too might feel that physical pain. That's a really nice level to get to. You can actually feel for the person at the core of your being. Of course, that's how Hashem is. Hashem is the father of all fathers. He feels everyone's pain, whatever that means, without giving human emotions to Hashem. Also, anecdotally, identical twins sometimes report that they know when the other has been hurt. They have like the sympathy pain, the somatic pain. It might be an example of the somatic empathy. You can see an echo of it. If someone is hit in the stomach with a ball during a sports game and one or two of the spectators may double over as if they also had been hit. That's somatic. Spiritual empathy is like connecting with a higher being of consciousness. It's like... An enlightenment in different tradition considered to be achievable through meditation. Just interesting looks at what empathy is seen in regular culture and how we could look about it trying to get that compassion and empathy, that top, that top, top level. Chabad points out the Talmud rules that a man's wife is as his own body. And this is for everyone, especially married people. Rabbi Aryeh Levine, who is known as the Tzadik of Yerushalayim, really understood this to the literal extent, he exemplified this ideal. On one occasion, he accompanied his wife to a Jerusalem clinic, to the doctor, because she was having pain, she was having trouble, and she wanted to get checked out by the doctor. So he came with the, his wife to the, the doctor, and he said to the doctor, he explained to the physician, doctor, my wife's foot is hurting us. Again, that beautiful line that he said, Doctor, my wife's foot is hurting us. That's real empathy. He literally felt the pain of his wife within his own being. And he said, Doctor, it's hurting us. We need help. We need to be taken care of. It's a, like the idea of Kirtan Shulchan Aruch that talks about be careful with your spouse's feelings, especially wife's feelings. Don't hurt hurt them with words, of course, not with actions, because they're sensitive by nature. Even husbands can be sensitive by nature. Even a slight hurt will bring tears to their eyes. We have to watch out for that, because real empathy, the first point being, is feeling the true pain of another person, especially one's spouse and family and friends, I would go on to say, within your own very being, feeling it to your own very being. And a lot of the topics we talk about is not giving out muster to anyone else. It's just for me, myself, because the more I talk it out, it's good muster for myself. All these traits, all these things we talk about, it's just good for me, myself, to work on. And if it helps anyone else, Allah has come of the comma as well. There's a wonderful, wonderful story Rabbi Sachs tells on RabbiSachs.org. He has really good writing in general, but this story really hit home.
for me, a beautiful story. It's on his website. It's adapted from William Uri, The Power of a Positive No, from Holder Mobius 2007, 77 to 80. Listen to this story. Fascinating, amazing story. A young American is living in Japan to study Aikido, or Aikido, however they say it. He's sitting one afternoon in a train in the suburbs of Tokyo. The train, the carriage is not even half full. It's half empty. There's some moms with kids on the train, elderly people going shopping. But at one of the stations, the doors open, and a man tumbles into the carriage, staggers into the carriage, shouting, drunk, dirty, and aggressive. He started cursing the people. He lunged at a woman holding a baby. The blow hit her so hard that it sent her into the lap of an elderly aged couple. They jumped up. They ran to the other end, the other side of the train, the other side of the carriage. And this angered the drunk. The drunk person got very mad. He went after them. He tried grabbing a metal pole, tried to wrench it, tried to grab it out of its socket. The whole situation was spiraling out of control. It was a very dangerous situation. The young student started getting very nervous. The young student started readying himself, trying to build up his stamina, build up inside, trying to build up his sympathetic nervous system for the fight or flight result re- response in his sympathetic nervous system, trying to gear up for the fight. Because what's he going to do if this drunk guy starts coming over to him? But before he could do so, before this student could do anything, however, a small, elderly, aged man in his 70s, dressed in a kimono, a type of dress over there in Japan, shouted, Hey! to the drunk in a friendly manner. Come here and talk to me. Young man, come over to me. Come talk to me. Come sit with me. The drunk came over as if in a trance. Why should I talk to you? he said. The elderly man calmly responds to him, What have you been drinking? This in, this in of itself is a Musr Haskell, is a Musr lesson for us. If someone comes at you angry, someone comes at you really mad, this is a side point, sidebar, pause. Someone comes at you angry, someone comes at you mad. Do you know the best way to calm them down? Do you know the best way to stop them in their tracks? It's not yelling back. It's not being violent in response. And it's not shouting in response. It's not using the words calm down. It's talking in a loving, soft, quiet manner. I know this myself. If I'm attacked by administrators at work or people in life attack me or whatever, if they're shouting, they're yelling, the best defense is to talk in a soft manner, a loving manner, a quiet manner, and that will quell anything they have because they want to rise you up. They want to get you angry. They want to bring you down and they want to try to rip you out by trying to get you to respond in kind by shouting. They're angry. They want to project their anger on you. They want to make you angry. But the best response is empathetic response. Soft, spoken, kind, gentle manner of speech. And that's what the elder person did here, which is a real muster lesson for us. He says to him, what have you been drinking? Asked the old man. Saki, he said. And it's none of your business. It's none of your business. The drunk man shouts in response. But the old man says again calmly, oh, that's wonderful. You see, I love Saki too. Every night, Me and my wife, she's 76, you know, we warm up a little bottle of sake, we take it out into the garden, and we sit on an old wooden bench. We watch the sun go down, and we look to see how our persimmon tree is doing. My great-grandfather planted that tree. As he continued talking, this elderly man talking to this raging drunk, gradually the drunk's face began to soften. His fists slowly unclenched. Yes, he said, I love persimmons too. And I'm sure, said the old man smiling, you have a wonderful wife. But the drunk responded, no, my wife died. Lola, we should never know from such things. Gently, he began to sob. I don't got no wife. I don't got no home. I don't got no job. I'm so ashamed of myself. Tears rolled down his cheeks. 
As the train arrived at the student's stop and he was leaving the train, he heard the old man sighing sympathetically, My, my, this is a difficult predicament indeed. Sit down here and tell me all about it. In the last glimpse he saw of them, the student saw that the drunk was sitting with his head in the old man's lap. The man was softly stroking his hair. So what do we see from this story? What do we learn from the story? This wasn't a superhero. This wasn't someone who was above and beyond 42 years ago. This is something that happened in a, in a situation in recent years by an average person, quote-unquote, who went above and beyond getting that empathetic response, that empathetic ability to listen to this person's man. What he sought to achieve by muscle... With this drunken person, the old man had achieved with kind words. A story like this illustrates the power of empathy. Seeing the world through someone else's eyes, entering into their feelings, and of acting in such a way as to let them know that they are understood, that they are heard, that they matter, that they are important. This person, at the end of the day, this person who was battling with alcoholism, I don't like using the word drunk, it's someone who has a drinking problem. We talk about labels on all of my shows all the time. This is one aspect of the person. It doesn't mean that he himself, in and of itself, is only a drunk. This is one major aspect he has to contend with. He has a drinking problem. And the old man saw, the man who was older saw, that this person has something going on. He's not just a violent raging person for no reason he has a lot of anger he has a lot of upsetness he has a lot of hullabaloo in his life a lot of upside down topsy-turvy he needs a sympathetic ear he needs an empathetic ear he needs to not be labeled by his action by his fault by what he felt today leading to his turning to the bottle instead of turning to the soul and he needs a sympathetic ear and a sympathetic soul a story like that should spark us to realize that we all have the capability and the ability to use a kind word and a kind ear to listen to those around us, especially people dealing with very, very difficult situations that could lead them down very bad roads. The point to carry over is that a power of a kind word, a kind outlook, a kind internal feeling can dissuade all the anger and all the madness in the world. Can we imagine if all the countries, all the people actually had empathy, actually had sympathy for other people, would actually hear out other people's opinions instead of the mudslinging, the sleazing sleaze flinging, especially during political times as elections are coming, if we actually had empathy and sympathy, we hurt each other's out instead of just lighting torches and throwing things and rioting and deciding that these lives matter over these lives or these lives, if everyone just understood that we're all human beings, we all come from Salam Elohim, we're all divinely inspired and divinely sparked to try to make a difference in this world, that we're all in it together, that we're all really one big family, especially within the Jewish world, maybe all the sects of society could break down. Maybe there could actually be a real ahavat chinam. There could be real love for one another if we had empathy. And if it started with empathy, with real empathy, with real sympathy, the madness and the anger of the world maybe could go away. And maybe that would be one positive that could come out of our crazy times. Unity. We're looking for unity. Everyone talks about unity, unity, unified. But how many people are really unified? How many riots are there? How much slinging is there between sides in politics? How much anger is there in society between different factions of people and society when we're all supposedly coming together to do the healthy thing, to do the safe thing, to do the smart thing. If everyone came together, followed all the guidelines with the mass and the distance and would listen to one another and not put down one another, not make it into politics, but find a way to make it a safe world, a happy world, a healthy world, a proper world with understanding and trying to keep the empathy for all the people that Lo Alina didn't make it because of our times and with all the terrible things. Maybe the madness and the anger would stop and maybe Hashem would bring Mashiach and that there be some English. Maybe it all needs to start with empathy. If only we would learn how to harness such great power of empathy, the world could be and would be a much warmer and more loving place. And look how the Torah points this out so often. Back in the days when the Torah was first written, 
the people in society that the Torah mentions over and over again really were not being helped. They really were falling through the cracks. They really were not being taken care of. Nowadays, in nowadays times, there's so many organizations, but it wasn't like that way back in the days of the desert, way back in the days of, the, of when we went into the land of Israel. The Torah tells us we have to have empathy by caring for others, that society might let slip through the cracks if we don't take care of them otherwise. And we'll talk about that in a second. But even Hashem and Moshe knew how to be with their brethren, excuse me, how to be with their children, with the Jewish people. Hashem comes to Moshe in Shemos. In the beginning of Shemos, he appears to him in a flame of fire within the bush. And the bush was not being consumed, but the bush was burning with fire. And what is the point of that? What do we learn from that? Rashi points out to us from within the bush, within the thorn bush, but not from any other tree. Hashem could have came in any tree. He could have came in a peach tree. He could have came in a bush of strawberry fields. He could have came from a, a pomegranate tree, anything, anywhere. He could have gone anywhere. But Hashem wanted to show that he came from a thorn bush because as long as the Jewish people are suffering, it's like a thorn in his side, Kiviachal, because I am with him. I am with the Jewish people in distress. Hashem understands how he's not going to come and he's not going to leave the Jewish people to their own devices. He's going to come redeem them when the time is right and realize that I'm coming in a thorn bush, Hashem says, because I am with you. I am with everyone in distress. I understand your pain. I'm with you in your pain and I'm empathetic to your pain. The Sefer Ikarn points out the meaning of the covenant is that he would be with them in his distress. He would be with the Jewish people and sympathize with them in their troubles. Even as the whole body shares in the pain of one of its limbs, the Shekhinah suffers in the suffering of the Bnei Yisrael. I will be with him in trouble. Just as a person suffers when his friend is in trouble, so too Hashem suffers when the Jewish people are in exile and the Jewish people are in trouble. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar also points out Another voice, a verse testifies from Devarim. The another voice tes, another voice testified. Another verse testifies that that the empathy of Hashem was with the pain of the Jewish people. Sorry about that. Something happened with the phone line. I'm just going to have to call back while we continue. So Hashem is with the the Jewish people in their troubles. Hashem wants to take care of them. And Hashem has empathy with the pain of the Jewish people. Even in all its troubles, Hashem is troubled. We have to understand that Hashem is with us and Hashem has empathy with this particular individual's fate. Hashem is always with us, no matter what. Hashem is there with us, even in Gaulus. And you should know, Hashem is with us everywhere we go. Hashem comes with us no matter where we go. And Hashem wants to take care of us no matter what. He's always with us. And the the Pasig in Devarim points out to us, that, that Hashem tells us, and again, I apologize for being a little bit distracted because we lost the phone line, but now we got it back, so we're going to continue. Sorry again about that. Anyway, Devarm talks about Hashem fell down, and Hashem came down with us even when we went down to Mitzrayim. Hashem went down with us. It says, redude to Mitzrayim. Hashem comes down because Hashem is in exile when we're in exile. And, De- and Devarm points out how Moshe says, for 40 days and 40 nights, I neither ate nor drank water. I never ate bread or water because of all the sins you committed by doing evil in the eyes of Hashem to anger him. I was frightened of the wrath. I was frightened of the fury that Hashem was angry with you to destroy you. And Hashem hearkened also at that time. And with Aaron, Hashem was very mad to destroy him, but I also prayed for Aaron at that time. It teaches us that Hashem and our true leaders feel for us. They're always with us, and they really feel for us, the true good leaders. So we should also really feel for others internally, as if we ourselves are in pain, and we have to look how we can help others. And look how the Torah talks about the different people in society that usually are not always helped, especially back in the olden days. You will treat the convert, the gear who dwells with you just like any other citizen. You will love him like yourself. You were a stranger yourself. You know what it feels like. You know what it was like. So make sure they're taken care of because you yourself were a stranger back in the day in Egypt. Shemos also points out, 
Don't hurt the feelings of an alien resident. Understand not to oppress him. You were once helpless in Egypt. You were in that position. You should be able to fully empathize because you were there back in the day. And they are there now, so you should be able to help them. Shamos also points out, again, I apologize, a cold allergy, whatever going on. Shamos points out, you shall not oppress a stranger. You know the feelings of this stranger. You were a stranger in the land of Egypt. You were a stranger. Who better to help the stranger than someone that was a stranger themselves, the Jewish people? Devarim points out, love the unprotected alien as Hashem loves him. You are aliens in the land of Egypt. Always talking about where we came from, understanding where we were, understanding where we are, understanding where we could go and where we could help those around us because they are there now and we were there back in the past. Take care of them as you knew what it was like to be there back in the day. Rabbi Nebacha points out, we were reminded by the Torah that all people should have empathy for strangers seeing that we were taken advantage of in Egypt because we were strangers. Make sure... That strangers in your midst are not taken care of, are not taken advantage of, excuse me, as we were taken advantage of. The point to make is that we must take care and feel for those who may have fallen through the cracks in society and around us. And Devarm points out we have to take care of the orphan, we have to take care of the widow, take care of the foreigner, especially with food and clothing. Kitzel Shochanach points out, think about the way you treat orphans. Think about the way you treat widows, to speak kindly to them, to treat them respectfully, not hurting with words. Their souls are very depressed. Their spirits are low. Even if they are wealthy, you have to take care of them, make sure no injustice is done to them. Hashem says, I will take care of their case if you don't. Don't make me have to take care of it. You take care of it first. Mishatar also points out, be especially cautious when dealing with them, the orphans and the widows, because they are in these low spirits. Even if they have money, make sure to address them with tender words. Be courteous. Don't cause them pain physically or emotionally through harsh words. Take care of their property more than you take care of their own. Don't irritate them. Don't vex them. Don't hurt them. Don't cause them financial loss. Don't curse them. Don't make a prohibition happen in them. And it doesn't matter if someone lost a dad or a mom. They're still called an orphan. They still need help until when they're old enough to take care of themselves, when they're an adult person. And Kitzur Shochanach also points out when we're dealing with the poor people, don't turn them away empty-handed. Even if you only give them a tiny dried fig, then make sure you take care of him. Even if you talk to him, some people have the amazing ability to take in the people who ask for money and bring them to their house. Even if they don't give them a dollar, even if they don't give them a cent, even if they just bring them into their house and they offer them a kind word, they offer them a hot drink, they offer them a nice nourishment of a snack that does more for their neshama, does more for their soul than any amount of money could do or would do. Sometimes we just need to bring them into our house. Don't scold a poor person. Don't raise your voice against him in a shout because he's brokenhearted and humble. Understand not to embarrass them, but to have proper compassion with words, understanding that Hashem is the father to all of us and we should be a father to those that don't have one. The point to carry over is that we should care for those around us who may lack in what many of us have, whether it be in family or possessions or goods. We should try to put ourselves in others' shoes, take care of them through truly feeling for them. Lord Cutson points out when a, when a dad's son came to him and he felt so sad, he rent his garments in pain and in, in the presence of his son as an expression of empathy with his son's pain and grief. He understood what his son was going through. He felt for what his son was going through and he rent his garments as a result because he understood and felt the actual pain of his child. The Dasakana points out, Hashem responds and, and explains, I will consider your own problems having due regard for empathy if you make sure to have proper empathy for those around us. And Brachos points out, and we'll look at this a little bit later also, the primary reward for attending a house of mourning, a Beit HaMaya, is for the silence, which is the optimal manner for those consoling the mourners to express their empathy. I say all the time to my wife, we should never know from such things, and Lo Elena, we should never need to do things, but going to a house of mourning is very, very difficult for me, in general, maybe because of the losses I had in my own life, maybe because of different aspects of growing up or whatnot, it's a very tough mitzvah. For many people, it's a very tough mitzvah, but do you know that halacha really says you don't have to talk. You just show up. 
You just bring your presence. Your presence is a present to those who are present in the moment. Don't say that 10 times fast. When you come to this house of mourning, we shouldn't have to, but if we do, you don't have to talk. You're supposed to wait for the mourner to talk to you first. Because when you come, it's not about what words you use. It's about the action of being with them, empathizing with them by bringing your presence into their present. That's how you express your empathy. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out also, the people in question demonstrate empathy for Egypt. These taskmasters took the physical punishment on their own body. Rather than inflicting it on their charges, they knew that the slaves were being beaten. And they said, I'd rather take the pain than let the slaves have any more pain. I empathize with their condition. I see what torture they're going through. Let me lower their burden. Let me lower their torture a little bit. Let me take away their physical afflictions a little bit on my own body, on my own self, rather than someone else having to get more pain and more damage. These overseers, as Sforno points out, of the Jews were being beaten for showing empathy with the people. Sometimes it might be painful. Sometimes it might be difficult. Sometimes it might hurt to care for others, but we must care for others. We cannot stop and we must go higher to care for others than what we would care for ourselves. You should do for others more than what you would do for yourself. You should do for others. And that's another point to carry over. Sometimes actions, not words, are needed. For real empathy, whether it be an outpouring of grief or sitting in shared grief, sometimes you just need to do the action and be there at that time. The Mishnah Torah Rambam points out one should give cheerfully with happiness to do so in empathy for someone's plight. If someone's asking for money and you do it, you should give it with a smile. You should be happy to do so. We should be empathizing with their situation. Give and be happy to give. And Chizkuni points out you give empathy by lending the poor borrower's money in the first place, doing it in a happy way. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar also points out you should dispatch the mother bird when talking about Shiloh HaKain, make sure to do it with empathy and to make sure we do it in a way that's not cruel. Even taking care of others, taking care of animals should be done in the right way with empathy, not muzzling an ox while he threshes, is understanding the ox's feelings and helping to provide food for the owner. Sometimes also, when we're doing things, we have to do it with a smile. We should be happy to do so. We should be happy to lend our ear and lend ourselves to those around us, especially whether it be just the humans around us or the animals around us. Because empathy is not just for people. It should also apply to animals too. The halacha even says, we talked about in a different shear, to feed animals first. And I would say to feed your spouse first, then your kids next, and feed yourself last because you could always eat if you're cooking and you're taking care of things in the kitchen i make sure to give to my kids and my wife first and then i always eat last because i want to make sure they're taken care of first understand that they're hungry understand it's harder for them to wait understand it's difficult to be patient especially the kids so make sure they're taken care of first and then you could take care of yourself so forna also points out we should make sure even when we're dealing with Shiloh HaKain, when we're dealing with animals, take care that the unclaimed eggs or chicks, you send away the mother, you take it away in a way that it doesn't pain the mother because Hashem understands what you're doing. You're having empathy for the mom. You're not taking it away in front of her. So Hashem too will show his empathy to you as well. Akeda Sechsel points out when we're dealing with slaves, you should become sure to have empathy for them, treat them in the right way, give them rights, give them different abilities. Way before civil rights came, hundreds of hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, the Torah understood that quote-unquote slaves and quote-unquote servants have a lot of rights and have to do mitzvahs and need to have different things. And we should take care of them and take... And and give to them with the proper empathy as as possible. Because empathy is not just for humans, but for animals and everyone in our life as well. Kedosiska points out the experience in Mitzrayim was to teach us that Hashem was the master over all of us. And that our experience should have given us the ability to feel empathy for others, especially those we talked about, the strangers, the orphans, the widows, and the converts. Shneel Chotabrit points out the tribe wished to demonstrate its empathy with the rest of the tribes who were suffering, and they did this by giving names to their children to commemorate sad things that happened relating to the portion of Vaera. Shneel Chotabrit also points out when you demonstrate kind of empathy, you feel confident that when the occasion arises, they'll get empathy back. If you have proper empathy for others, then if you ever, God forbid, need someone else's empathy, you'll get it back 
the same way, if not more. If you properly show with with feeling, with inner and with outer, that you really care, you really empathize for someone else, then God forbid anything happens to you, people will really care and really empathize with you too. The Kiddush HaZeva points out that Hashem Himself is Rachum. Hashem is tr- has true compassion, true empathy, and He can connect to even the lowliest people, the humans, all the way on the lowliest level, they can connect as well. And and Hashem knows what we need, and Hashem is with us even in different difficult situations. A rich man displays true empathy for the poor by giving to him properly for the poor person, and he shares in the poor man's situation. And so to Hashem, should we'll, we'll share whatever we need to. Koldo Didofik points out a feeling of empathy is a basic fact in the consciousness of the shared Jewish fate. The suffering of one segment of the nation is a lot of the entire community. That's the idea of the phrase, Kol Yisrael Arabim Zelazeh, we're all responsible for one another. We can't say just because there was a there was a, a tiny bit of a house collapse in Japan, it has nothing to do with me. Everything is intertwined. We're all one people. We're all one humankind. If there's a defect in one part of humankind, there's a defect in all of us. If someone drills a hole in the bottom of their part of the boat, this is a very famous analogy, you can't say, don't worry, I'm minding my own business. There's only a hole under my seat. What's it to you? Fool! The entire boat will sink. The entire ship will fail. If there's a hole in one part of the ship, if there's a, if there's a defect, if there's a, a, a neglect, if there's a blemish in one part of humankind, in one part of the Jewish people, then by nature, the whole Jewish people will fall because we're all, all one organism. We're all one ship. We're all one being. And just as the whole spokes of a wheel are interconnected, if one's gone, the whole wheel is off. And if there's one hole in the ship, the whole ship will sink. We're all interconnected. The suffering of one part is the suffering of the entire community. Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazel. We're all interconnected. with. All, we're all responsible for one another. And that's why the, the, the leaders of the town, if there was someone found on the way, a dead person, the Egla Rufa points out, they measure which town it is, and the leaders of that town have to say, our blood was, we didn't spill this blood, because they're responsible. They should have let him out. They should have accompanied him out. They should have empathized with the situation, realizing he needs to be escorted. And a defect in that person that, that, that killed that person on the way is a defect in the town, a defect in the Jewish people. And... That's why there were sins brought upon the whole Jewish people, because if anyone sins, if anyone murders, it's on the fact of the Kohen Gadol to try to atone for it in the times of the Beis Amigdash. That's why the mom of the Kohen Gadol would pray so hard that nobody, God forbid, asked that the Kohen Gadol should die so that they could go free from Gullus, because she wants her son to live. She wants him to pray for everyone else. But if there is a defect in the people, somehow it manifests on the greater echelons of society, the greater positions of the society, all the way up to the Kohen Gadol and the Sanhedrin and everyone around us, because we're all responsible for one another. Rav Moshe, in the care of the critically ill, was known as someone who was very competent, very cool-headed, but very much having great empathy for those around us. We understand and we must realize the point to carry over is that sometimes our positions and our experiences can lend greater value and more understanding with empathy than others around us. You should use your lens of your life and your travels, your experiences in your life to help understand and help others understand what they're going through and what others go through. The Flames of Faith explain that hode, this idea of hode, can be viewed as empathy because empathy is an experience where I entirely accept the needs of the other, the needs of other people. The Marbella Sapra explains that one should empathize with the needy person in his misery, speak to him with consolation, use kind words. More than a, a money or food, sometimes they just need the kind words, like the story of the guy in Japan that we talked about in the beginning. Koldo Diofik also points out loving kindness means empathizing with one's fellow man, identifying with his hurt, feeling responsibility for his fate. And the Redeeming Relevance points out that this would have been a big defect in Moshe. He couldn't be their leader if he did not emphasize with their affliction. He didn't eat and drink on the mountain. He wasn't happy on the mountain. He asked to be erased from the Jewish people, not to lead them. So many times on behalf of his beloved Jewish people, because he had true, proper empathy for his Jewish brethren, especially back in the times when he came out in the palace and he saw... A Mitzri killing a Jew, he couldn't take that. He killed the Mitzri. He couldn't handle when the people were fighting with one another. He empathized with their situation, and that's why he was a leader par excellence for many reasons, this being one of them. The point to carry over is we need to identify with another person's situation so much so that it resonates as if it were our own, God forbid. we got to think about the Shunite woman we just read about 
this in, in recent parshios and the recent Haftorah, uh, throughout the year we read it, of course, but I believe it came up recently, and if not, then it's a great Haftorah just to read one time. She made a home for Elisha on his travels. The Malachim Bet points out, Elisha visited Shunem. A lot of times he went by Shunem on his travels. A wealthy woman lived there. She urged him to have a meal, and whenever he passed by, he would stop there for a meal. One day, she said to her husband, why don't we make him a place to stay? We have room in our house. We have ability in our house. We have capability in our house to keep him in our house. So why don't we actually put him in our house? So she said, let's make a small enclosed upper chamber, an attic, a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. He could stop here anytime he wants to come. Whenever he wants, he could come to us. That's what she felt. She knew that Elisha had to travel a lot throughout the Jewish people. But anytime he would pass through her, she wanted him to stay. She wanted him to stop by. And she wanted him to, to come by her house because she had real empathy for him. Excuse me while I take a drink. So we too, excuse me, thank you for that, should try to feel for others around us. Empathizing with those and their travels and their needs like the Shunammite woman did. We should make sure to fully feel the pain of another, be present in their current suffering. Think about the difference between Avram and his second wife, Hagar, in relation to the banishment of Yishmael. Very fascinating. We just read this literally on Rosh Hashanah. Hagar saw the son in Genesis 21, Bereshis Chaf Aleph. She saw that Hagar had a son, Yishmael, and he's playing, Yishmael's playing, quote-unquote, Mitzachek with Yitzchak, but not the right to be Mitzachek. Rashi says he was doing the cardinal sins, he was trying to kill him, and he was involved in not good things. So, 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 Sarah says, get rid of this son, cast him out, they cannot share in my inheritance. And it wasn't about inheritance, it's just the word she used. But Avraham was greatly, greatly distressed. He really empathized with the difficulty in sending away Yishmael. Yishmael was his son. It was Hagar's son, and it was, and it was Avram's son, and he really didn't want to send him away. He felt very empathetic towards Yishmael. He didn't want him to leave. If he left the influence of Avraham, some say, he wouldn't have such good influences. He would have only Hagar's influence, and she had a lot of Avodazar in the past. Maybe he would sway. Maybe he wouldn't have anything good. So maybe it's better he stays by Avram. But Hashem said, and Asar said, you have to send him away. Hashem says, don't be distressed. Send him away. Really, it's going to come through Yitzchak. Don't worry. Listen to your wife. So Avram gives them water, he gives them bread, of course he gave them enough to last the journey, but of course Yitzchak got sick, and when someone's sick, they drink a lot more, they eat a lot more than than usual. And when she's wandering in the wilderness in Be'er Sheva, the water is gone, what does she do? She left the child under one of the bushes, and she went and sat down at a distance. How selfish. In the last hours, what she thought was the last minutes of her son's life, she sat a bow shot away because she thought, let me not look on as the child dies. How selfish. She didn't want to be bothered. She didn't want to be troubled by his cries. She couldn't listen. She couldn't take his cries. But don't you think he needed his mother in the last minutes? The Abrahamic way, the Jewish way, is to be with everyone to the last second. The Hagarite way was to send the kid away because it's too distressing, it's too painful. That is a lack of empathy. You're selfish. You care about your own feelings. You care about yourself more than you care about your child. You're more worried about yourself than what your child needs. That is not the Jewish way. She burst into tears, and, and Yishmael burst into tears also, but who did Hashem listen to? The Pasuk says Hashem heard the cry of the boy, not of the lady, because the lady's cry was selfish. The lady's cry was not based on real empathy. The lady's cry was based on lack of empathy. But Yishmael, even though in the future he would do bad things, he was judged at the moment. Yishmael was really crying and really was in pain. So Hashem listened to Yishmael. But it's the dichotomy, it's the opposite. Avram really felt empathy, really felt pain for sending away his son. He didn't want him to lose his influence. He didn't want to lose his son. Hagar could not be troubled with the crying of her child. She sent him away. The opposites of empathy. You have to have real empathy, not the bad type of empathy. Hashem responds to Avram's feelings for Yishmael, redeeming what Revelance points out, and tells him Yishmael will flourish even after he's expelled. The point to carry over is that you have to be there, present, in the moment when someone needs you and feel their pain when they need you. Even if it is something you have to do, 
Make sure it's something you want to do and make sure to allow the pain in. A lot of times our spouses, our kids, our friends, they just want us to hear us. They just want us to be present. You might not even have to say anything or do anything. You just need to sit there next to them and you just need to be there next to them to be in the moment present for the person. Also make sure not to discredit or neglect or put down another person's pain or suffering, which would be very bad. This is the case of what I see also in the Haftorah recently on Rosh Hashanah. Chana's husband Elkanah in Shmuel Aleph Aleph. Look what he says to her. Chana is devastated. Penina has many children, maybe five, seven, I don't remember. She has a lot of kids, a couple of kids, and Chana has no kids. Elkanah says to her, Chana, why are you crying? This is key to look at this phrase. Her husband Elkanah says to her, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why are you so sad? Excuse me. Am I not more devoted to you than ten sons? This is the lack of empathy of what we might be able to learn from. This is not what Hannah needed to hear at the moment, I believe. Also, I believe Rabbi Foreman explains this in one of his... One of his um, Shiorim, Chana was in real pain over the inability to have children. It wasn't about how good a husband he was or not. That was never in question. That's not what she's talking about. That's not what's paining her. That's not what's bothering her. It was the lack of children that she sorely missed. Elkanah here may have missed the point entirely in saying, I'm better than you than sons. That's not what she wants to hear. That's not what she needs to hear. That's not the empathy she wants at the moment. It's not the proper empathy. I want children. I lack children. I miss children. I don't care how good a husband you are. I am missing the nurturing ability, the capability to hold a child in my arms. I want a child in my arms. That's why, Lo and Lena, if anyone ever ever goes to something, it's not, you can't say, ah, you already have three kids. What do what you need for? You already have five kids. What do you need? Five, six. Just be happy with what you have. Every child is a blessing. Every child is a gift. Every year, every moment, every minute with a spouse is a gift. You had 40 good years with him. Why are you so sad? It's not the proper empathy to say that. Every minute you have with the spouse is a gift. Every minute, every iota of every day, who wouldn't pay what amount of money to have another minute, another year with their beloved spouse? I don't care if you had 20 years, 40 years, 60 years. It is the height of lack of empathy to say you had 40 good years. You should have cherished just those 40 years and move on. What a lack of, of respect for the time they had together and the relationship they had. A lack of empathy is to say, oh, you know what? It's uh, You didn't have a sixth kid. You weren't Zolcha. You have five kids already. They're healthy. They're good. That's not what it's about. Every kid is a gift. If someone can't have a kid, someone loses a kid, Loa Leno, God forbid. Don't say you have 14 other kids. Every kid is special. Every kid is a miracle. Every kid is a zechus. Every minute of every year with a spouse is a zechus. Don't tell me those kind of answers. Don't tell me... All right, so you got this and you got that. All right, so you had a house for five years and now you have to move to an apartment. Every moment in that house, you could have done so many mitzvahs. Understand the pain. Allow the pain. Give the pain room. Don't tell me when the dead person is lying in front of you. We're going to look at him and us in a minute. Don't try to console me. Don't try to console someone else when their dead person is in front of them. That's the height of insensitivity. A lack of awareness of timing. A lack of awareness of placement. If someone's around you and they're struggling, their kids are crazy, don't try to parent me. Don't tell me they broke this, they broke that. Don't tell me, why don't you parent your kids better? That's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's not the right empathy. This is about parents. It's about spouses. It's about kids. It's about the idea of timing and empathy. And it's about a lack of awareness of the situation. Elkanah sees Hannah's upset, but he's missing the point. He's missing what the situation is talking about. She wants children. Don't talk to me about what type of husband you are. You're missing the idea of why I'm upset. I don't have children. Don't talk to me about another point entirely. If, if I'm upset about X, 
Don't talk to me about why. Make sure the point is to understand why a person is in pain in the first place. What the situation really means. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the opportunity to feel for another person's plight. For another person's upsetness and pain in the situation at hand. Also, it's important to realize not to have misplaced empathy. This is the main example of Shaul and Agad. Shaul is told to kill all of Amalek. Don't leave any of Amalek over. I don't want sheep. I don't want kids. I don't want women. I don't want men. Agag is Amalek. Get rid of all of them. Point blank, period. Shmuel comes and hears the sound of sheep. What is this? A sound of sheep I hear in my ears. Shmuel, I believe, says to Shaul. Shaul says, these are the flocks that we left over to give sacrifices to Hashem. Shmuel says, Do I, does Hashem want sacrifices of the enemy? Does Hashem, and I'm paraphrasing greatly, does Hashem want the sacrifices of what you were supposed to destroy? Is that really a sacrifice, a gift to Hashem? Hashem tells you to destroy a Amalek. You leave Amalek over to give to him. Is that what he wants? You spare Agag? Do you know the tremendous destruction you just caused by sparing Agag? Your misplaced empathy will put the entire Jewish people at end at travail, at trauma in a couple of generations because of a wicked person named Haman, a direct descendant of Agag. Haman is called the Agagite. Why is he called the Agagite? Because he descends many generations from Agag. The one night, I believe the Medjus explains, the one night that Agag was left in the cell, he was with his wife and he had Haman many generations later. So the misplaced compassion, the misplaced empathy for the wrong person that Shaul had literally almost exterminated the entire Jewish people. You cannot have misplaced empathy for the wrong people. That's why you have to go after those terrorists. You have to go after the people in World War II, the whole idea of Munich and the the government of Israel. I don't want to get political. Going after terrorists, people who are destroying the whole Israel, destroying the Jewish people. You cannot have misplaced Placed empathy. It has to be empathy for the right people at the right time. The Medrash says that Shaul made a major error. One who becomes compassion, he loses the whole kingship because of it. The kingship was ripped away from him, like he ripped the, tar- the garment of Shmuel. One who becomes compassionate to the cruel will ultimately become cruel to the compassion. The Medrash points out. I'm going to repeat that. One who becomes compassionate to the cruel will ultimately become cruel to the compassionate. Shaul left Agag and almost destroyed the whole, whole Jewish people by letting him have descendants. And instead, he destroyed the entire Nov, a city of good people, Kohanim, who did nothing wrong but to help David, and they were all decimated. He was cruel to those he should have been compassionate to. Of course, we can't debate what their sin was, they deserved to die or whatever. But Shoal destroyed Nov when he should have spared them. Shoal saved Agag when he should have destroyed them. Someone who's compassionate to the cruel will be cruel to the compassion. Of course, Doig was involved also. I'm not going to get into the details. But the main point is do not have misplaced empathy. You need to have right empathy for the right reasons, the right people at the right time. Don't, mis- have, don't have misplaced empathy for those who don't deserve it and should not get it. Because that is not empathy. That is cruelty. Then and for the future. We also want to talk a little bit about sympathy. The Antiquities of the Jews points out, it's not lawful to pass by a beast that's in distress when it's fallen down. Make sure to help it. Have sympathy with its pain. Officer Ben Nelson says you have to be a good neighbor to those around you. Having sympathy and goodwill for those who are in your life. Good impulses, a good wife, a good husband involved in the relationship and those around them. Make sure the duties of the heart point out. Protect and treat with sympathy and treat with righteousness those around you to make sure to take care of all their interests. Rashi and Devarim also points out, make sure you have compassion and sympathy with your own children and friends and those around you, as Hashem would be with you. Radak also points out, you have to have sympathy and love for the Jewish people, and it'll be taken care of by Hashem as well. Make sure to feel for everyone around you, the point is. Make sure to include other nations and creatures also, not just our own kind. Don't just be good to those in your four amos. Be good to everyone around you in the world at large.
He who desires to be just must show himself hostile to his opponent, must have sympathy with him, and readily acknowledge any truth contained in his words. This is the Ramam. This is what we were talking about before. Acknowledge that people can have differing views from you. Acknowledge that people could do sins, but don't hate the person, hate the action, or dislike the action. Don't judge a person as all black or all white in terms of sins. There are areas of shade of gray. I talk about this all the time. Just because people do bad things wrong doesn't mean they're a bad person inherently. They're, the the, the Al-Khaids talk about this coming up in Yom Kippur. We make the awful mistake, they say in art school, about hating a person instead of hating their actions. Understand there's a lot of good in people, even if they do some bad. Empathize with their situations. Understand that people have a lot of difficulties, afflictions, addictions, and, and different traits, terrible traits they have to work with and they have to deal with. And the Guide for the Perplexed also talks about have sympathy for the poor and the infirm. Assist the needies in ways. Don't hurt the feelings of other people. Rabbi Nebach also points out, give to the poor. Share what you can. Sympathize with him. Make sure you give them hope and give them confidence. And make sure to take care of a poor man, especially during litigation. Don't favor anybody, especially not the person against the poor. Shneel Chotabrit points out. Make sure to have proper sympathy and empathy for another. The point is not to distort justice. As a result, Shneel Chotabrit also points out. Make sure to have a face radiating sympathy, a kind face, a kind ear, a kind soul to take in and empathize and listen to anyone and their troubles at any time. The Aram Cohen footnotes point out to Masechah Brachot, silent sympathy is better than profuse words of consolation. That's what we talked about before. Sometimes just being there for someone without even saying anything is greater than anything else we could do, like going to a shiva call and just sitting there, not even speaking. We have to sympathize with their feelings. The definition of what it means to actually be with people and understand and help them, as Joshua points out. And Yaakov points out someone who afflicts himself in sympathy with the community will live to see the relief of the community. If If you're with the community, then you'll see the redemption of the community. Legends of the Jews points out Elisha was always ready to help the poor and the needy. Think about the, the oil case and think about how he was Machaya Mason for the, the Shunanite woman. Eliyahu also did wonderful miracles. He had sympathy and empathy for the widow, the son of the prophets and people in and around his life. We should be at one with the pulse of the community. The point to carry over is if something is wrong or something sad is happening, we should commiserate and feel for it and try to rectify the wrongs. The introductions to the Talmud point out that sometimes we have to say a blessing and it's involved in sympathy like Baruch Dayan Emes. We have to empathize and understand at the moment all we could say is the da- is the actual Dayan Emes Bracha because nothing else can really be said at that moment. There's just too much pain. Between yesterday and tomorrow points out, in spite of the many good intentions and sympathy and understanding for the Jewish cause, sometimes the Jews are systematically forgotten. That's why we have to empathize and sympathize with our own kind first and then help everyone else. Reminds me of the mission in Avos in 2-3. Understand that the authorities don't befriend a person except for their own needs. They seem like they're friends when they have an interest, when they have a need. They don't stand by us in the hour of real distress, in the hour of need. Remember, we have to stand on our own and care for our own because others will forget us. That's the point to carry over. The Likute Moharan also points out that that's for Eliezer G. If you go to one of them and tell him about it, you arouse the sympathy, you could bring about his rescue. If someone has a problem, talk to him about it, listen to him. Maybe you could help him with it. The major themes and philosophies of Judaism points out sympathy is the original form of man's love for his fellow human being. And the major themes also points out the sympathy with the poor, which God awakens with us through his commandments, because we have the ground for meaning of Hashem's love. Shulchan also points out, give charity with joy, with countenance, with a good heart. Sympathize with the person, be happy to give it. It's preferable to sympathize with the unhappy than to rejoice with the mirthful. As the Mivchar points out, Brachos also points out that your inside should be like your outside. Make sure your character traits on the inside really match with your outside. Have a smile on the outside and a smile on the inside, because otherwise, the Shulchan Shalarba points out, one who is outward is a hypocrite. The outward behavior does not match their true inner feelings. That's because we really need to truly feel for others on the outside and the inside. Don't just play face value or pretending to care. Make sure you care through your essence and being. Your actions must come with true feelings. Don't do something to commiserate with others while having a grudge about it. Make sure to smile inside and out when someone needs your help and wants you to listen and needs your help and needs your assistance, do it with a smile. Your inner and outer should reflect the happiness to help and feel for others. Yavamos points out 
even Hashem understood to empathize that when when Sarah and Avram laughed, we talked about this last time. Last time, Hashem adjusted the words not to hurt the feelings of Avram so that it wouldn't lead to a quarrel. Mishator also points out you can't wrong a person by words. It's not just actions, but words we have to be very careful about. And that's the point. You should think about words you say or shouldn't say to spouse, family, or others so as not to hurt their feelings, to probably accord feeling for a person, especially if they're going to th- going through something. Rashi also points out to Yoshua, at the time he was with the spies, he hid his feelings. He wanted them to think he agreed with them, but afterwards he said what he meant because otherwise he was afraid they would harm him. We have to empathize with those who deserve it, but make sure in, in warranted situations like danger and face value, you can pretend to have different type of empathy. And the Rama points out that you have to have the proper sympathy. Assist in the ways. Don't hurt their feelings. Don't vex those who are helpless. Make sure to take care of them in every way you can. The Torah also points out that that's why we should be sensitive to everyone, including animals. And Rabbeinu Baruch points out, even if a person sins, we still need to have proper empathy and sympathy for them. Understand where they're coming from. Understand that Hashem still relates to all of us, even if we sin, even if we fall, that we should still be with them and help them. That's like the idea of the meme of a husband holding the, the umbrella over his wife when it's raining. Even though he's mad, they got into a fight. He still obviously loves her. That's the famous quote. I may not like you right now, but I love you. Because no matter what, Hashem always loves us. Even if someone sins, even if someone makes us angry, we should still have sympathy for their plight and their needs and not hold anything against them. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out Lot's wife looked behind him behind her because she was looking, she was worried about her kids, she was empathizing with them, she was sympathizing with them to see if they were following them. That's another point, excuse me. Even if someone, even something causes us pain or discomfort, even if it's difficult, we should try to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Try to see their viewpoint, understand their points and their sympathy, and have empathy. Reminds you of Philo's phrase, don't judge your fellow man until he reaches place. And again, about timing. Don't try to appease your friend during his time of anger. Don't comfort him when the dead is before him. Don't question him when he made a vow. And don't try to see him in the hour of disgrace. Because sometimes empathy is understanding timing and place. When someone loses someone, just be there for them. Comfort them. Don't try to rationalize. Don't try to explain. Just try to be there. Understand timing. Understand place like we talked before. And Akedah Sesek also points out, don't abuse feelings of mercy. Make sure to use them in the right way. If you have proper empathy and sympathy, Hashem will for us also. Hashem will turn to us if we turn to others. Sforno also points out, go out of your way to argue on behalf to compensate for feelings of insecurity in adversaries. Orachim also talks about that even hearing names of people, we should try to have a gist and a vibe of what's going on around us. Recall feelings of mercy and take pity on others. And make sure, Orachim points out, that you should relate to Hashem from feelings of love and relate to other people from a feeling of love. Like you would treat your son, treat your brother, treat your sister. So too we should treat, try to deal with those around us. And Rahim also points out, don't have envy or jealousy in our hearts. Make sure to really care and love for those around us. Kedusha Slave also points out, look at our fellow Jews with a benevolent attitude. Because feelings of empathy, the point is, are like an emotional muscle. The more we work it, it inflects it, the stronger it'll be. Lakuti Maran then points out, even if it seems there's no feelings when he speaks many inspirational words and entreaties, the act of speaking is revealing and rousing his heart. Sometimes talking will rouse us to do action as well. 19 Letters also points out, Understand your views and the feelings and the views and feelings of others around you, the demands and needs of your fellow man. Understand and deal with them. Don't destroy anything. Don't abuse anything. Don't waste anything. Employ everything wisely. Be kind to everyone and try to sympathize and empathize with everyone uh, that is around us. Try to understand people's dreams, their thoughts and feelings and empathize if they have a crushed dream or they have a crushed feeling or they have something that they lost, anything that they lost. And then the Flames of Faith t- tells us also, most of what I feel is internal. A fraction of my love can be seen for others. And man connects himself to transcendent holiness through feelings of fellowship with the entire community. And the judge may stay within the bounds of laws, prevent his feelings of compassion or bursting out of his heart from doing legal decisions. And that's the last point to carry over. And I thank you for staying with us. Understand that Hashem gives you the ability in your life to help others by understanding them. If you try to understand, Hashem will lead you on the path to more truly feel for another in their life. 
And now we're just going to wrap up. Real empathy is feeling the true pain of another, especially one spouse within your own very being. The power of a kind word, a kind outlook, a kind internal shared empathetic feeling can dissuade all the anger and all the madness in the world. As Hashem is with us and our true leaders feel for us, so should we feel for others internally as if we ourselves are in pain and look how to help. We must take care of and feel for those who may fall through the cracks in society and around us. Care for those around us who may lack in what many of us have, whether it be family, possession, or goods. Try to put ourselves in other shoes and take care of them through truly feeling feelings for them. Sometimes actions, not words, are needed for real empathy, whether it be an outpouring of grief or sitting in shared grief. Empathy is not only for humans, but animals, animals as well, and the society at large. Sometimes our positions and our experience can lend greater value and more understanding with empathy than others around us. Using your lens of life and travels to understand others and to help understand others go through different things. We need to identify with another person's situation so much so that it resonates as if it were our own, God forbid. Try to feel for others around us, empathizing with their travels and needs like the Shunammite woman. Be there, present, in the moment when someone needs you and feel their pain even if it's something you have to do. Make sure it's something you want to do to allow the pain of another in. Make sure to understand why a person is in pain, what the situation really means. Don't miss the point or the opportunity to feel for another's plight. Don't have misplaced empathy for those who don't deserve it and shouldn't get it because that's not empathy but cruelty. Make sure to feel for everyone around you, other nations and creatures too, not just our own kind. Make sure to have proper sympathy and empathy for another, not distorting justice as a result. Sometimes just being there for someone without even saying anything is greater than anything else we could do, like the Shiva house. Just sit there. Don't speak. Be at one with the pulse of the community. If something's wrong or something sad is happening, commiserate, feel for it, try to rectify. Very often we must remember that we have to stand on our own and care for our own because others will forget us. Action must come with true feelings. Don't do something to commiserate with others while having a grudge about it. Have a smile inside and out. Inner and outer should reflect the happiness to help and feel for others. Think about words you say or shouldn't say to spouse, family, or others so as not to hurt their feelings. Make sure to properly accord feeling for a person, especially if they're going through something. Empathize with those who deserve it, but in warranted situations like danger, face value could pretend to have a different type of empathy. Even if someone sins, even if someone makes us angry, we should still have sympathy for their plight and for their needs and not hold things against them. Even if someone causes us some pain or discomfort, even if it is difficult, we should try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and see their viewpoint. Understand their pain with sympathy and proper empathy. Sometimes it's all understanding time and place. When someone loses someone, just be there for them. Comfort them. Be there. Understand. Don't try to rationalize or try to explain. If we have proper empathy and sympathy for others, Hashem will for us. Feelings of empathy are like an emotional muscle. The more we work it and flex it, the stronger it will be. And understand that Hashem gives you the ability in your life to help others by understanding them. If you try to understand, Hashem will lead you to more truly feel for others in your life. This has been the Lecture Series with Rev. T. Join us, God willing, in two weeks when we talk another topic per session with some practical lessons. Thanks for joining us. All of our Shirim are on podcasts everywhere on Shirim Enjoyment. Hopefully we'll see you next time. And this is Reb T signing out.